1: Can I just ask? shut, shut up, up Evan. Evan. I'm curious could you shut up Evan one thing I was thinking about shut when, up Evan so there are some rumors out there Evan shut, shut up. up is it okay if I just ask shut up Evan. up Evan okay but can I just shut up Evan I didn't even say anything hey guys what's up this is Evan Ross Katz and you are listening to XY and Me the podcast that talks about gender roles sexual roles and cinnamon roles Unfortunately, I'm sorry, you are not listening to the podcast that exists within the cinematic universe of And Just Like That, a podcast that is co-hosted by Carrie Bradshaw, podcast host Carrie Bradshaw. Um, No, unfortunately, you are not listening to that. You were listening to Shut Up, Evan. And we are back after an extended hiatus for season three. I'm excited to bring you a new batch of interviews with some of my favorite people on the planet starting today with a supreme favorite of mine. But before we get to her, I think we need to talk about Anne. Just Like That. There's a lot we could talk about. We could talk about the Peloton. We could talk about Chucky in the subway. We could talk about Miranda and the drinking problem. We could talk about that piano recital. There's so much for us to unpack. But we're going to talk today about episode five and a moment that occurs towards the end, a moment that woke me the fuck up. And I don't think I've been sleeping on and just like that. I'm aware of both the show, the conversations around it. I listen to as many recaps. I read as many recaps of every episode as possible. I want to know what the girls are saying, like I wanna know what people are talking about and saying about this show. And I've read all of that and I've enjoyed so much of it, but nothing stirred me quite like this scene. And so I just, I kind of, I I wanna talk through it. I think we need to talk through it. And I know that we are reaching the finish line of And Just Like That for at least season one, quite possibly the series, who's to say at this point, who's to know, I'd like to know. But I just feel like this moment from episode five is so significant. When I think back upon, you know, season one of And Just Like That, there are a few moments that will really stay with me. Uh, the double vomit being one, Che doing weed. Uh, but I really do feel like this is the moment that elevated this show from uh huh to an oh my god. And so I, I think we need to talk about it. And it starts uh, with an entrance, right? Because, you know, Any great scene has to have an entrance. And uh, that is this character. Hello? Hey, it's Che Diaz. Um, My friend Carrie O'Donnell tweeted uh, that video out saying the worst words you could hear at your door. Che is this fascinating character. Uh, Che is portrayed by the great Sada Ramirez, who many people know from Grey's Anatomy, but I will always associate Sada Ramirez with Spamalot a pretty good musical of which they were the best part without question. And they have a great song in act one. I'm sure it's on Spotify or wherever you listen to music. But anyway, Che is this new character that is introduced. That is Carrie's boss. Carrie, as I mentioned, Carrie is a podcaster. Um, And so Carrie is, is recording this podcast X, Y and me. Because when I think about gender roles and the discussion around them, I think of Carrie Bradshaw cinnamon rolls one of their three uh areas of expertise uh again i don't associate carrie with cinnamon rolls and yet and yet she exists in this world so so basically they have set up uh and just like that miranda's got she's drinking in excess i was going to say she has a drinking problem who am i to say she's drinking and it's ex- in excess and and let me just say i the lack of overtness, the just um, the way the writers uh, and, and honestly, God bless them, the way the writers are like, Miranda has an issue with alcohol, and we're going to make sure that you know about it. When this is all said and done, I want to compile sort of every instance because there's so many and I love each and every one of them. But so basically, Miranda, it's it's clear Miranda is an un, in an unhappy marriage with Steve, who in this iteration of the show, still portrayed by the great David Ingenberg, um, but in this version of the show, Steve has aged to 148. He is a bag of bones, and as such, Miranda is kind of done with it. So she, Miranda meets Che, and there's an immediate attraction, uh, and Che sort of deems Miranda Rambo, because that's the energy that Shea feels Miranda emanates. And so they have this little flirtation at the funeral of Miranda's best friend, Carrie's husband. It's all very strange. Uh, and it all culminates in a sex scene. And for many of us, we're what, like five episodes into and just like that at this point, we were wondering where the sex is. There's been a little bit, or a lot of it, a lack of sex. The only character we've seen have sex so far is Brady Hobbs, mm-hmm. which... Yeah, I that happened. That did happen. But on to this, episode five, where we finally get some fucking... I just want to play an eight-second uh, clip um, in which Cynthia Nixon educated all of us um, about acting. Oh, sorry, it just automatically starts replaying. So that is what's known as finger banging. Miranda Hobbs, Esquire, is being finger banged by a podcast host, Che Diaz. In Carrie's apartment, Carrie is on half a pain pill because Carrie had an undiagnosed issue with her hip. She thought it was her back, it wasn't her back, it was her hip. And Miranda's getting finger banged. I didn't know we would be here um, in twenty twenty two, and I'm I'm taking it all in. I just am so obsessed with this scene. I love the kinetic forces that are S J and Cynthia coming together. As many longtime fans of the original series know, those scenes between Carrie and Miranda, when they would fight or disagree, I mean, everyone remembers Splat, one of the final episodes of the original series, outside of that church on 10th Street and 2nd Avenue, a block from Tompkins Square Bagels. It's the funeral of Lexi, played by Kristen Johnston. And they get in that big fight. Because Carrie's going to Paris and Miranda doesn't agree. Anyway, the fact that we have gone from that to this, and and then I'm not even getting to all of it. Carrie wakes up. Carrie can't get out of bed because of the the undiagnosed issue with her hip. And so as such, Carrie needs to pee into a diet Snapple bottle, one that has a straw in it. And let me just point out, SJ grabbing the straw with her mouth and spitting it out in an attempt to lower the diet snapple down to her nether region so that she could pee into it as her best friend, Miranda Hobbs Esquire, was getting finger banged in the kitchen, in the kitchen. Um, I just, I marvel. I marvel. And so with that, I'm glad we discussed this because there was a lot I thought we should catch up on, but this felt the most pressing. So with all that, please make sure you go and stream Sada Ramirez's song from the Spamalot soundtrack. Watch episode five, and then just like that. But don't do either of those things quite yet, because before you do that, I want to take some time uh, away from your schedule so that you can listen to this interview with a fabulous Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> She is an actress whose resume is both lengthy and girthy, comprising a breadth of roles that in any other hands might not have cemented themselves in film history. As E. Alex Young wrote for Vulture, quote, The shortest lines, high or okay or so moist, are putty in her hands. She stretches vowels out across entire emotional vistas. Plaintive, alien, funny. She got her start at the Groundlings before booking her first acting gig, a guest spot on a little known series called Seinfeld. Though she starred as Stupid Girl in 1995's A Bucket of Blood, Hottie Police Officer in 1998's A Night at the Roxbury, and Woman at Football Game in 1999's Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me, her real breakout film role came in the seminal classic American Pie, where she starred as Janine Stifler a.k.a. Stifler's mom, a role she would continue to animate in all three of the film's sequels. She would go on to steal the screen as Sherry Ann Cabot in Christopher Guest's Best in Show before cementing her legendary status as Paulette Bonafonte in Legally Blonde, a role she would reprise in the film's sequel and maybe in a third film. Subsequent roles include Amber Cole in A Mighty Wind, Bobby Morgenstern on NBC's Joey, Fiona Montgomery in A Cinderella Story, Betty in ABC Family's The Secret Life of the American Teenager, Whitney Taylor Brown in For Your Consideration, Sophie Kaczynski on Two Broke Girls, Susan Thomas in Promising Young Woman. Dee Dee Dale in *Swan Song* and most recently her role as Tanya McQuad on HBO's The White Lotus, a role earning her Emmy buzz. She has appeared on Broadway in The Women and was nominated for Outstanding Featured Actress in a Play for her role in Elling. In 2018, she reprised her role as Paulette Bonifanté in the music video for Ariana Grande's song Thank You, Next. She's currently starring in Netflix's Single All the Way and will next appear in Shotgun Wedding opposite Jennifer Lopez, as well as Ryan Murphy's new Netflix series, The Watcher, and in season two of The White Lotus, where she'll reprise her role of Tanya McQuad. This is a true pinch me moment. I am elated and running on complete adrenaline to introduce the very first guest of the third season of Shut Up Evan, the iconic Jennifer Coolidge.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh my God, how can I keep this apartment? Is that an option? I It's not I like it, but knowing what I know about your taste, isn't this a little
0: modern? It is, but let me tell you something about it. I like it because I have never in my life slept better in a New York apartment. It is that matters. You cannot hear one sound. Like I'm telling you, I feel like, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm staying in Switzerland on a mountaintop or something. I mean, you don't hear one one sound. Is it, do you, do you, that's so hard in New York. Yeah, without a doubt. Do you hear sounds? No, but I'm on the 22nd floor. Oh, gee. Ooh,
1: wow. Yeah. wow. So. Well, when,
0: the, when the tsunami hits, you'll be a survivor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I don't know if I want to survive after the tsunami to be honest. The
0: tsunami's... yeah.
1: No, if something ever comes to um, take us all out, I'm very down to be among the out.
0: You're right down to what?
1: I'm down to be one of the people that goes. I don't want to, like, survive the apocalypse
0: i want to go with the apocalypse you
1: do yeah do you want to
0: survive the apocalypse i kind of do i don't know death scares the shit out of me um it really does death scares who wants to who knows what that is
1: yeah but like if it's mass death like if we're talking the tsunami or the plague or something like that happens i'm saying if the majority of the populace is dying i want to be amongst the majority
0: see i disagree because i feel like i could get really finally get (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) Like, no girls left. You know, it's like, Guess it's me, guys.
1: <laughs> so we're sitting here right now in this beautiful Tribeca apartment. I believe this is not your apartment, but rather one that was found for you. Can you tell us the story about this beautiful place that we're sitting in right now? Sure. I, first of all,
0: I wish this was my apartment. I really, I really like this place. And I, I dream, I, I look out the window and I dream that this is once, you know, somehow going to be my apartment forever but it isn't i don't think but anyway yeah not yet no um no but you know it has a very good story behind it because this doesn't happen very much where you like show up on a job and you don't have the apartment yet and then of course the person that is solely responsible for me getting this amazing place was the lead actress in the show i'm doing uh for netflix it's called the watcher and um the brilliant Ryan Murphy. But who gave you the apartment? The lead actress, which is Naomi Watts. Love Naomi Watts. Yep. The most beautiful actress in the world. And, you know, the thing is, I don't know how it came up. I was just saying I was looking for apartments. I hadn't really found anything, whatever. And, and then she just stopped She said, "Oh, you know, I think there's an apartment. You know, I think there's an apartment I, I know of, which sometimes people rent it. No, I can look into it for you. And, you know, she's got children. She's the lead in the... Her job is so intense. She has to show up and just bring it every day and do, you know, 50 scenes a day. And that she somehow, like, did me this huge favor and, like, got me in touch with the people that own it. And now I'm in it. And I just... She is... God bless Naomi Watts. Truly. And I, uh, I'm i going to have to buy her a car for... Uh, <laughs> no, for... You know, so she can ride to the country in it on her on her weekends off.
1: Sounds beautiful to me. You've lived in New York before though, but not previously, Tribeca. Where in New York have you previously habitated?
0: Yeah, let I me mean, and just I just want to say, it never looked like this. Um, you know, this is this is quite exceptional. And, you know, I was yeah, I was a struggling actress, waitress, uh, for many, many years. And um, the only time that I've had sort of a decent apartment is when um, I came to do a couple of Broadway shows. Um, one that sort of survived for a couple of months. One that um, you know ended early. But um, then you know the the company, you know the production company, finds you the apartment, so you stay somewhere decent. But my apartments were always, you know, you know, pretty primitive. You know, um, you tell know, me about
1: like, tell me about your like your shittiest apartment. Like where was the shittiest place that you lived?
0: Let's see the shittiest place I ever lived. Well, it wasn't shitty. I, I lived in a place in LA that was was literally like five feet by three feet. It didn't have a you know any uh, didn't have a stove or anything like that. It was just a little bedroom with a connecting. But you would have to be a really neat person. You have to like living on a tiny ship or something. And if you're not neat and you have that much space to live in, it can really go horribly wrong. Are you a neat person? No. (laughs) So it didn't go well. And, you know, stuff was pot. You know what I mean? Like, literally, I could only fit, like, me and my laundry detergent. But I really couldn't fit the clothes. I mean, nothing fit in the, it was just, you know what I mean? It was was built for, like, rabbits, (laughs) you know? And um, it just didn't, you know. Anyway, I couldn't keep it together, but 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 it wasn't. It was in a beautiful building. As a matter of fact, Julia Roberts moved in above me, so you know it was a beautiful old building. It's where Betty Davis, you know, lived for many years. It had that famous Betty Davis apartment, but it had this tiny little servants' quarters that was rented out to me, and I couldn't with all my puppets and whatever I got. You know, it didn't work out. Did you have any run-ins with Julia? Roberts? I did, because I, I I bumped into her in the laundry room once, and she I think in she the had laundry room. Wow. In the laundry room of this beautiful old building. I mean, you know, it, it was on Havenhurst, this incredible, it was like 1416 Havenhurst, just the most incredible building. But she had a stalker at the time, I think. And um so she bumped, I bumped into her in the laundry I She, I, she looked very frightened to see me. I think she probably thought I was, you know, someone that wasn't supposed to be anywhere in the building. <laughs> I do see why she makes sense. <laughs> do, do you think that she thought you, that you were maybe the stalker? <laughs> That's what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> I don't know.
0: You know, I would have, you know, you know, because I was really thin back then. So, you know, I could have been a crack addict. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, speaking of your time in Los Angeles, I was scrolling through Getty images and I came across a photo that is now very burned in my brain. Uh, it is one of you and the late Anna Nicole Smith as judges during the second annual Queen of Silver Lake pageant back in 2002. And I'm wondering if you have any memories of Anna.
0: I just remember her being so incredibly nice and young like you know what I mean like a very young I felt like it was a very young young girl in this very sort of unbelievable body with these you know just she was just so sensual looking and all of that and sexy and definitely had it going on but you know unfortunately was surrounded by the wrong people and you know i feel like if this was if she was alive now i don't think that would have happened i think there would have been some people that would have stepped in yeah you know what i mean people we sort of watched the titanic sink in a lot of i feel like in my in the last couple of decades of being in in our business a lot of people just stood by and we watched it and we didn't get involved i feel like and now people are way more sort of certain they, you know, I feel like there would be all sorts of stuff over Instagram about Anna's being, you know, it's not with the right group and they're, you know, they're taking advantage. And, you know, I just think she would have, there would have been someone that could have possibly saved her, I don't know.
1: What do you remember of the industry back in that time? I mean, you're speaking about sort of these seismic changes that have occurred. I think maybe like in the last decade, maybe maybe even sooner than that, in terms of society second-guessing the treatment of uh, the way female celebrities were often treated in the past and the scrutiny that was placed on them. I'm not saying it doesn't exist today, but it seems like it's different.
0: Yeah, it, it is definitely different. You know, I, I'm just really jealous because... Um... You know, when you were putting your machinery together here today with your all your um, plugs and devices and things, um, you mentioned that you had gone out and done these interviews with Zendaya and the cast of Euphoria. And, you know, when you think of like how confident someone like Zendaya is, you were just saying like she's just so confident. She sort of runs, she runs her life like a business yeah. and she really knows what she's doing and she has respect and all that you know that just wasn't the case for me I didn't I mean I know there. you know and look I'm not even talking about there were some people that really acted like this many years ago like you know even like when you think about like Lucy Lucy you know Ricardo I mean Lucy Arnaz like she she was a badass but you know way before her time and it never even occurred to me you could be that kind of person you know I was just I came from a a family of my mother and father were the nicest people that ever lived. I mean, they were very naive people that just were full of kindness, never thought bad of anybody, didn't, if someone was awful to them, they just were confused by it, but they, they never said anything bad about anyone, and I feel like that just didn't prepare me for the world that I entered, you know, especially going out to Hollywood. It's just, that, it, you know, there was just, you know, a lot of bad apples.
1: Do you take after your parents in that
0: sense? Were you also Yeah, I think out? I'm incredibly naive and like, yeah, when like, you know, I'm dating a guy and then all of a sudden, you know, he does something really weird or, you know, very mean or whatever, I guess I just pretend I'm not, I don't see it or I go into some denial that, it, you know, like he's just having a bad day and, you know, the excuses you make. For, like, you know, I'm just saying, I just was the opposite of Zendaya. I just was, you know, and, you know, feel like if you make yourself vulnerable to, like, the cast of characters, like, out in Hollywood, there's, you know, don't get me wrong, there's some amazing people that come, you know, like, I've had some killer moments where someone has just been so generous and, you know, done something just amazing. Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts is a great example. Mike White you know, uh, where they, someone just does you this giant favor and you're like, oh my God, this is going to, this is life changing. But there's, there's some real creeps and weirdos and people that, you know, do all sorts of stuff. Like I was in my thirties, which you think isn't, it's not like being, you know, 15, but I was in my thirties when, you know, I started to get the, the jobs, you know, and you know, there's just a lot of weird stuff. And I never, I didn't know how to navigate The weird personalities, the weird behavior, the weird things people, say you know, the the manipulation, the girls growing up right now, like, for instance, I opened my phone this morning, and I think it's because I liked a guy on Instagram tells you how to, I guess, actually, it was a TikTok thing, where it tells you how to avoid dating a sociopath. And I, it was very good, you know, and it was like just all the different the things you look out for. But then I guess because I liked that guy's thing, now all of these, you know, reels are coming in on how to avoid sociopaths and everything. And and they're all really good. And what's great about that is like I tell you, by the end of the day today, I will never probably date a sociopath again because they, <laughs> it's a pain fine numbers thing. But what I'm saying is that you know there was no education. We didn't even. I never heard the word sociopath when I was you know, in my thirties going, you know, going you know, and, and when you're dating, you know, many actors in a row or people in the business or producers or whatever, when you're dating, cause that's who you meet, you know, when you're dating these people, whatever. some of them, you know, don't have your best interest at heart and they're predators and they're, and, and I mean that not, you know sometimes it's not even sex they want from you. It's just, you know, your money or whatever you have. And not that I had boodles of money either at the time, but, um, you know, whatever they could get, you know, it's just... But I'm I'm, I'm very hopeful for this... The girls growing up now, they have... They are savvy and, you know... And I, I mean, I can't believe when I hear like Cardi B or Rihanna or any of those girls speak, I'm like, oh my God, I just... You know, I want to be you. I want to be like you know, and uh, you know, just be this people smart and street smart, and you know, as just as bright as they are. And uh, like, look at Ariana Grande. I, I felt like when I was hanging out with her, I, I mean, I felt like she was 90 years old. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, and I know she's sort of like probably, you know, Mensa. I mean, just incredibly, you know, like I, her brain is so advanced. But, but like. Her, just her confidence and her knowledge of what was good and bad and just um, how she breezes through awkward stuff and how she, you know, can give that kind of performance. every like, because I went, you know, I went to her, her concert, and, you know, like, you know, I, I just, I got tired watching. I, I just, I was like, how could anyone do this more than one night? You know, just, but getting back to her intelligence, she knows how to na- navigate the world. She knows how not to take, you know, crap. And uh, from people, you know, I think Thank You, Next was such a brilliant song because I don't think it occurred to anybody that, I mean, that's sort of like dating someone who, when they're not kind or it's not working out or they're doing something mean or. But, you know, a lot of that song was about you don't have to hang around for when someone Uh, dumps you or whatever like this you don't have to hang out and mourn forever Yeah, it's just let's move on
1: she's an empowered woman and she will choose her choice yes
0: and I really do feel like I don't think anyone came to her with that I think that I really do believe that Ariana Grande came up with that you know I feel like you know that thank you next thing or whatever I know she she was I think she created it with her girlfriend but she was in a lot of pain at that moment and then they just found a way to go like okay I don't need to lose like you know a couple years on this Mm. And my generation, we lost a couple of years, maybe three, five, five Are there moments
1: from your past professionally that you look back on and you perhaps swept something under the rug that you look back on now and you say, I wish that I would have said something in this moment or I would have handled this differently because I was being treated in a way that I now realize is not acceptable.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, I was in a relationship with someone um, where you know, they were really not kind. But you know what? And it's my fault because I stayed in it. But you know what's so interesting about it is I remember thinking the whole time I was in a relationship with them, and it was quite a long time, I was like, they don't really like me. Like, I was like, every day I would wake up in the morning and they would say something, and I'd be like, why are they in this relationship with me? Because they don't like me. And then it's like I just needed to Go with that and go, they don't like me, and get out of the relationship. You know what I mean? But I, like, hung in there to go, like, I don't know if I was waiting for them to tell me they didn't like me. Or, you know what I mean? Like, in other words, Ariana Grande would have given that guy one day. You know? She would have just gone, like, you're you're weird. You don't like me. And this sucks. But, you know, I gave it. I don't even want to say how long I gave it. But anyway. But, um, Too long. But yeah way too long but what i'm saying is just the hanging in there when it's weird and it doesn't make sense it never made sense when i was with this person because everything they were doing to me was a sign of hate you know what i mean there we you know there wasn't there wasn't you know it wasn't like they didn't like me they just didn't like me but for some reason neither of us made the move and it should have been me but yeah now see see i just want all the girls in the world to just uh know you just don't have to hang out for it there's a thank you next
1: agreed yeah what is dating like for you what has it been like for you and do you contend at all with people wanting to date Jennifer Coolidge the celebrity or the persona that they place on you versus the real person
0: yeah no it's 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 always really weird because um yeah I think they do they think you're I think you're probably way better than what you are. I mean, I'll speak for my... Yeah, I think they probably think, you know, way better. You know, whatever I was in some part they saw in some movie, and then they sort of think I'm that or whatever. And I'm sure it doesn't all add up. Who knows? Was, you know, I, I've never... I don't even want to know the answer. But but you know what I don't like is, you know, I dated a guy and, um, you know, he did this sort of thing where, he, you know, he said, I don't know, like after I met him, you know, like... This second or third hour of you know talking to him or something, he, um, you know, someone came up to me and said, You know, can I do a photo with you? And he acted very confused and he's like, Why do they want a photo with you? I said, Oh, no, I don't know, you know, I'm an actress, whatever people want photos, whatever. And he said, You're an actress, you know, and then of course. You know, he's like, I had no idea, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, I found out later, you know, uh, when he was drinking that, you know, he knew who I was, you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. in other words, I just so that happens a lot where they're like, I don't know, and then you're like, Well, if there's a lie in the first, you know, hour of meeting someone, like
1: Where do we go from here? Where do we where yeah. do we
0: go from here? Like, you know, um, you know, I only really have to look at that. Like, but yeah, who knows? Who knows? If they they people I don't know, they're hoping I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I think a part that you play for you're in a movie for 20 minutes or something, 30 minutes, it, it's pretty slick. It looks like, wow, you know, that person doesn't have problems. You know what I mean? They can, you know, you know, they can do backflips and, <laughs> you know, they can pay for dinner because, you know, which I don't mind, you know, I don't mind if, you know, I'm the one that pays for dinner. I I don't, you know, I, I prefer maybe the first date they eat like pony up but you know I don't care at this point like you know but I think being an actress really hurts your dating potential because they either think you're something better than what you are or sometimes they're just you know hanging out for the wrong reason of just you know tell your fr- their friends or something I don't know I don't know but it doesn't I don't I don't think it you know I was thinking if I was just you know worked in an office I think my dating life would be so much better. I mean, sometimes I dream of just like working in an office where I can be like, you know, Sally, the receptionist. And they're like, you know, I mean, not everyone knows who I am. So some people wouldn't know, but then some people are like, Hey, you look like Jennifer Coolidge. And I'm like, everyone says that, but then I could like, you know, you know, date the lawyers in the law firm or date, the, you know I mean? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, uh, You know, if I'm on a job, it's like dating actors, I think is a little dangerous. I think a lot of the time that's just not good for many reasons. Just because unless you go on all their jobs with them, I don't think it's a good thing. I think, you know, I mean, I really do. I would be that actress that goes on the jobs. But who wants to sit at home and wonder, you know, what's happening in Prague with Zendaya? You know, I mean, I.
1: I like in this scenario, you're dating Zendaya. I think that's a really, that's a good coupling. Um, Okay, well, first of all, let me just say, your dates should be buying you your meal on your first date, like period. I understand that you're willing to, but I don't think that you should. I'm just putting that out there. No, I know. Of course, you know,
0: what is this? There's some famous woman that says like you know when the bill comes i guess at my age they really should pay for the dinner right yeah. but but i i'm i forget that i'm not 30 you know i really do forget because you know if you don't have children you really don't know you're an older person i don't you know what i mean there's no sort of like mark that says i'm older i mean except, except my reflection but um <laughs> but but there's no you know what i mean when i'm talking to you i forget that i'm not you know an older person i i i i just I I think I'm your age. You know, how old are you? You always ask this, I'm 32. Like, I feel like I'm 32, I'm talking to you and everything, I'm like, you know, I'm not looking down at my hands, so I, I just, I think I'm, I'm like, I'm 32 too? I love that, we're just two 32 year olds hanging out. It's wonderful. But yeah, then you get reminded in all sorts of ways, you know, that it isn't true. But if I never saw a mirror, I think I'm very immature for my age incredibly immature i think i'm a very very immature person i'm immature i like what turns me on like water slides roller coasters like really you know what i mean like i love cheap thrills like you know jumping off something or you know maybe you know maybe not you know
1: i was gonna say wait this is sort of counter to what what i understood of you in terms of the jumping off of something because it was my understanding that Mike White is the one who's going to jump off something and you're going to be the one that stays back. But are you both jumping? No, no, no. No, I that. No, no, no,
0: no. No, no. I'm jumping off, you know, like I jumped off this thing in Hawaii, this like, uh, I jumped off this rock, this rock in Hawaii that was sort of high up, this sort of thing. But or, am I dreaming that I jumped off of it? No, I did. I think I did. No, Mike is jumping off of, he's bungee jumping off of, you know, a dam that's like, you know, like, you know, the, the height of like four skyscrapers. Right. You know, and he's got a bucket over his head right. just for just to make it even scarier. You know, no, no, that's Mike White. No, no, no. But I, uh, no, I was gonna say I don't really. I, I wouldn't jump. Uh, there, yeah, I did have. Um, you know, this is for another episode. But you know, I did uh, get um, lose my keys one night at a nightclub, and this girl that I didn't know very well said she'd give me a ride home the valet guys lost the keys to my car so she drove me to my house and then of course I climbed up i she said how are you going to get into your house and i said i don't need the keys because i've broken into my house i you know i know exactly how to get in you know this there's, uh, there's a way there's a secret way to get in and and then i climbed up on this 11 foot wall and um that surrounds my house and um it was 2 a.m. and i sort of jumped into the darkness like i always did you know jumped you know you know into the other side of the wall but what I didn't know was that that day, um, a gardener was trying to nurse this little tree, and he put a stake in the yard, and he tied the little, the tiny little sapling to the, to the stake, and so I jumped into the yard, and it went through the back of my leg into the bone, my thigh bone. I, and I can't even begin to tell you how awful that was, but. So in other words, yeah so i'm not taking i'm not going i think that did put a little you know before like the thought of ever having an injury like that again but yeah that's all that that's going to be a whole podcast
1: yeah i mean i'd love to hear that story you know being that we're two 32 year olds just sitting here i do want to reminisce about some of our experiences as 32 year olds sp- specifically your experiences at 32 years old I have to imagine you encountered some famous people um, in terms of going on dates with, potentially sleeping with. I'm not going to ask you to expose the latter, but are there any famous people that you wound up on dates with?
0: Yeah, you know, I think there was one per, yeah, well, there was one person that I I really was sort of my dream guy, but I didn't realize. I think he was, you know, guys say, you know, things aren't working out with that person, or I think, this guy was probably still in a relationship with his mates i I mean i I think you know he i think yeah i think he was a liar i think the guy lied so so i the guy was a liar so i don't know if i want to get into all that okay fair but 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 he was sort of like you know this guy that i really worshipped and and then he sort of wanted a little fling and i was sort of game but but i'm trying to think if there's anything i can reveal you don't have to name the name if
1: you want. You can tell the story without naming the name. Or we can move on.
0: Um, well, I do, you know what I do want to say is that uh, I think it's good on these jobs if you don't sleep with anyone. I mean, you know, you can sleep with them at the end if you want. But, but I don't really believe ever in sleeping with these, anyone on a job because it's just, it's not a real, it's not a realistic environment. And somehow it feels like you're in this free zone and it's never really, after the movie ends, it's just sort of, it was this magical moment. Everyone's paying for your life. <laughs> you're, you know, you're, your life is being bankrolled by someone else, because you know, the movie, of course, and you're having this like incredible time, it's all romantic, but you know, when the movie ends sometimes, like it's, it's just like, it, I can't tell you how sometimes it just, it can fizzle so fast.
1: Have you had experiences where you've slept with an actor during production on something and been like, oh fuck, this
0: ruined the professional relationship? Well, I, I know. And let me tell you what, what I think is fascinating is that there were people that I came so close to sleeping with and just thank the gods above. I didn't, uh, that I didn't just because, not because, uh, The main reason I'm so glad I didn't sleep with them is because it really is true. The person you like in the very beginning on a film is never who you like at the end of a film. It always switches up. And the one, the person that you were like, oh my God, we're going to be the best friends forever. That person like fizzles. I don't know. Like the person you initially like is never who you really like in the end. And so I'm so glad that I hold off now as an older person. Who is your closest celebrity
1: friend, someone that you worked with years ago who, as you're speaking about now, you sort of, you you saw, or perhaps you didn't see that quality in them in the beginning, but you grew to love them and you've stayed in touch with them and they remain close with you.
0: Well, you know, it's really hard for when you have a relationship with an actor that becomes like a superstar. It's doesn't always work out that you become best friends with them just because they become like they're sort of hanging out with the sort of rich gang you know what i mean because what happens is that rich gang is making movies like it's not like they pick their rich friends it's just like the actors that become incredibly successful uh, a lot of the time like i see they become sometimes a little pack and i do understand why they do become a little pack because first of all like the more, just even stuff, you know, for me in the last year, it's been sort of pretty good. You know, a lot of jobs, a lot of cool stuff has happened. But it's my lifetime's, you know, 200 million for some of these people. I mean, some of these people are so immensely famous and known throughout the world and everything. And that is such a scary life to me because you have to be so careful about who you open the door to. And everyone wants something. And it's just, uh, it's, it's frightening. And so I feel like a lot of those people hang out in a pack with all their, you know, famous buddies, you know, they, just, just because uh, it's safe. Yeah, it's self-protection. It, it's a self-protection, and they know, that, you know, they know no one in their safe little pack is going to repeat something that they say because they don't want that. Right. You know, they've got their secrets, you know, and they don't want, you know what I mean? Because, you know, I mean, there's nothing worse than having someone come into your home, you know, it's very intimate, you know, when you, like, they come into your life, they know everything about you, they know everything about you, you know what I mean? They're texting for you, they're they're doing your emails, they're doing all that stuff, and then they just see it as a way to be creepy and access your stuff and talk to, talk about you, and I, mean, I mean, there are those people too. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, you know, it's, who wants that? Like, so I, this is why these actors have to sort of shield themselves. I think it's so, you know, I mean, look, and I'm not even saying, you know, there's other people there's, you know, in the music business, I'm sure, you know what I mean? Like it's in all these different areas, but it's sort of like, if you're a public person, the non-public person thinks, I don't know, it, it somehow it ups their value if they can, you know, expose you sometimes. Mm. And I think, um, I think that's, you know, there should be penalties for that. So how do you detect that bullshit? Like, I'm sure there's like, as
1: you're pointing out, there's a lot of bullshitters that hover who the sole intent is to expose or they're coming to you in a non-genuine sense. You mentioned earlier that you can be a rather naive person. So how do you suss out who the good people are, the people
0: worth investing in? I, I, sorry to interrupt. No, but it's usually too late. You know, by the time you figure out uh, you know, who likes you and who doesn't like you, it's too late. You know, they've they've been in your your underwear drawer and they can't wait to, you know what I mean. And I just think it's um you know, I'm just, I think that's like, uh, I mean, actually, I, I can't, I can't figure it out, actually. I can't figure out why they would take the job if that's sort of what their intent is. Like, how creepy is that? I mean, how creepy is that if, like, that's why they take the job? Right. When you, when I, when you meet someone like, you know, for instance, you know, for instance, Brigitte Bardot, supposedly, you know, uh, I don't know where I read it, but like, the paparazzi and all these famous journalists and like this all you know uh we always trying to get the inside scoop on Brigitte Bardot and um and I was so sort of like the makeup artist just wouldn't say one word and I guess the makeup artist just knew everything the makeup artist knew everything all the you know all the romance that she had all the really good dirt and I just thought oh my god where are those people well, but they
1: sign NDAs. I don't know if that was the case then, but I did a profile of Katy Perry several months ago and I went to her makeup artist who I'm friends with just to sort of, as I do in many interviews, I go to people that know them. I went to people with you, like people that you've worked with and been like, tell me about Jennifer. And the makeup artist said, I can't tell you. He didn't say he signed an NDA, but it became very clear that to be in the ether of Katy Perry means that a, there's a zipped-lipped policy. And I think that's smart. Yeah, I understand that.
0: I do too. But I don't think all people uh, that you know, work for you are, are, are that ethical.
1: Before we continue, let's take a break and check in with today's sponsors. If you were to look in my fridge right now, beneath the shelf of Topo Chico, you would find cases of CAN. These are my currently in rotation batch, as I keep party packs stowed away as well. So what is CAN? CAN is a social tonic microdosed with cannabis that gives you a light and uplifted buzz, but with no hangover, fewer empty calories, all natural ingredients, and no regrets. Best of all, it tastes fucking good. So sure, I drink it for the THC CBD effects, but I also just enjoy it as a refreshment du jour. Blood Orange Cardamom is my favorite, but the Grapefruit Rosemary also slaps. For more information, including where to find it at your local dispensary and delivery options, follow at DrinkCan with two N's or head to DrinkCan.com. That's drinkcan com. And we're back. Okay, let's turn the tables to talk a little bit about the White Lotus because you mentioned this uh, year you're having. At, the, at this point now, it's fair to say years, plural. I feel like you... Um, it's not a moment anymore, right? It's like, it's extended beyond that. Um, But I wanna bring into the conversation one of your White Lotus um, co-stars, a mutual friend of both you and I, the great Lucas Gage. Hey Jen, it's Lucas. I just wanted to say, as you know, you are the hottest person on the White Lotus, but I just wanted you to tell me who you think the hottest person on the White Lotus is and why.
0: See, I I would sleep with Lucas. Me too. I mean, I would. I would sleep with Lucas. But, you know, I don't know because he's he's such a good hang. Like, he's one of those people. He can make any moment fun. I mean, he's really special. But, you know, then, you know, I don't know. You sleep with someone. I don't know. I don't know if I would want to risk. I don't think he would get weird. But I think Lucas does win for being the hottest as far as, like, girls and guys both have crushes on him. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Murray too. Murray also really fucking hot. Oh, yes. But you see, but see, Murray's out just for many reasons. You know, Murray's like... You know, I met his boyfriend and, you know, that would be weird. I don't don't know if his boyfriend was. I mean, I I don't know. And yeah. And you know what? He just, this is the other thing. Mari doesn't look like, hey, yeah, I want to fuck the hell out of you. (laughs) He's just just not looking, you know what I mean? Like Lucas gives you that look. (laughs) Um, No, Lucas gives you, no, no, Lucas is game. Like, you know, (laughs) I mean, he really is like, if you take him up on it, he's, he'll go, he's, he's, he'll say, let's go to my room right now. I mean, he really would do that. And would you go? Yeah, if I never saw him again. Fair. I mean, you know what I mean? If I wasn't, yeah. But um but yeah, that's I, 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 I hope he's in my life for till I croak, you know.
1: What about your reaction to the infamous ass eating scene on the White Lotus?
0: I think it should have gone further.
1: Mm. Mm. Like spread cheeks, or what are you thinking? <laughs>
0: I'm just <talking> <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't know. I, you know, yeah, I mean, I think that was really something. It was. It was really something. It will go down in uh,
1: television history. How did the job first come about with The White Lotus? And for people that don't know, The White Lotus was created by Mike White, who famously created Enlightened, and uh, for many people listening, will know him as a runner-up on the 37th season of Survivor. For people that don't know, you were reticent in the beginning to take on the job.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was a combo of actually two things that like, it's such a great lesson for any actress who's, if there's any actresses listening to this podcast, you know, I think we have a self-destructive side that like when the great moment does sort of show up, like for me, you know, like this moment where Mike White wrote this thing, you can still mess it up for yourself. I don't, you know, like we have the sabotage thing or, you know, just like, I just, I just didn't want to go to Hawaii. I didn't want to get in a bikini. I didn't want to do a job after all the, you know, self-destructive behavior and, and my COVID, you know, lockup. You know, I just, I didn't take care of myself. And, you know, Carolyn, this girl that I was, uh, Carolyn, uh, my New Orleans friend that we, we hung out in New Orleans for, you know, 80% of COVID together in a house full of just, we became like, pizza whores where we just, um, that's all we were eating. We came, became obsessed with it. Like it never got, it never got dull. Like you know, we'd be, we'd be eating it so many days in a row and we never got tired of it. And, um,
1: Are we talking to DiGiorno or like what kind of pizza? You
0: no, know, these vegan pizzas that oh, you can right, get, we'd have we stacked, we'd have this free, have this giant freezer and we just buy these giant stacks and, and they would go really fast cause we'd be eating three or four or five a day. Sometimes we would eat the piece and go like, "Should we have another one?" I mean, it just—it was like it was just, you know, but but so yeah. So I just wasn't ready, you know what I mean? I wasn't. Look, I wasn't working out. We didn't have a Peloton at the house. Um, they're dangerous, though. Oh yeah, they're dang. Yeah, yeah, right. Killed big. Wow. Yeah. No. Yeah. We didn't. I didn't have that. And you know, to be honest, I, I don't. Wouldn't know how to work it, you know, because I never know how to work machines, a technical, you anything don't. that's technical. I can't. Like you know, even as you noticed when you came here, I, I couldn't even turn on my own lights you know, I can't, I'm not good with the technical stuff. So of course it wouldn't have worked out with the Peloton, but, but what I'm saying is I almost really screwed it up. And I, I think, I feel like I've told this story too many times, no but, but you really can mess it up for yourself. And so I decided I was just going to come up with, I didn't want Mike to hate me because he said he'd written this role f- for me. And I just thought I'll just, you know, have some really good excuse and, um, I wouldn't have to do it. And maybe I could do a job with him later down the line, which is an insane thought because this probably was my own. I I don't think Mike would have, I think Mike would have just been like, you know, all right, well, that's that. You know, I don't know. I don't know if he would have been a good sport and then just waited, you know, years later to write. Who knows? But all I know is I tried to, tried to get out of it, but I hadn't told Mike yet. And then this lying in bed at night in new Orleans. And then this two in the morning, the, phone dings that little ding and I look down at my phone and it's Mike White it's just a little text that says are you afraid just how weird because he can, he can read your mind I mean he is one of those guys he's psychic in so many ways so yes there was that but I still after that which people don't know um still after that even though I knew Mike was on to me, I still wanted out. And I was over at my girlfriend's house. Her name was Chase Winton. I was in the groundlings with her. She said, so are you going to go to Hawaii and go on that job? And uh, it sounds so cool and everything. I said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm going to do it at another time. And I just, I made my mind up. And I just, not doing it has brought me a lot of relief. And I feel good about it. And then she just, you know, greatest friend in the world, just said, you know what? I just need to tell you, you're a very crazy, insane person right now. And you've lost your mind. You've lost your mind, Jennifer. And I just have to tell you, I have to be the bad guy here and tell you, you you have to go do that job. You can't get out of it. And I was like, yeah, I know, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not shape and I've been very self-destructive here and I there's no way I'm going on camera like this and she was like so what you look like shit that's all you got right now so you should just do it anyway and I don't know it sort of made sense it sort of made sense I was like oh yeah I'll just go looking like shit I guess I can do that I'll just go like looking like shit okay I don't know she sort of solved it she saw. you know it was like but we all, you know, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. That's the only way you can have a good life is to have great friends that, you know, tell you the truth and talk you out of making terrible decisions. And um, she really did that. And I, I just owe her my life.
1: When you first got those scripts and, and you read the role of Tanya, what was your reaction? I'm Not just to the character, but her arc on the show, which I mean, to borrow a phrase from the show, I mean, the onion is really peeled back on Tanya slowly and slowly through these six episodes. And she really comes, I don't know if it's fair to say, yeah, no, it is. She
0: comes undone. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was, I had this massive anxiety attack that I didn't realize you can have an anxiety attack that just goes on for months. Like in other words, I mean, it was all too much for my little brain uh to handle and i you know and the other thing you know i have to say you know, look not that i didn't read this stuff of course i read it and said this stuff is incredible but the problem is it felt like the stakes were too high you have to realize like in mike was was had tried to get a show with me earlier i was trying to i think he tried to pitch it to hbo or whatever they didn't want to do it and so the pressure you see then i thought oh my god what if like, in other words, I just felt like it was like, if this doesn't work out and I'm not, you know, I don't do a good job with this, like, and he'd given me this big part, like, then what do we do? Because I don't think there would be any way to reshoot the stuff. I don't know. Cause we had this window to get the whole thing in. I don't know. Yeah. It was just like, I, like I said, an anxiety. I mean, that's my continual state of being a lot of the time is I just suffer from terrible anxiety. And that was, I had a lot of anxiety on that job, but Thank God for that that cast because, you know, if I didn't have them to hang out with, I would have, you know, I, I don't know what would have happened. I, I think they were sort of the, the saving grace, you know, Mike and the cast. You know, Can and the- you talk a little bit about your unique friendship with
1: Mike White? And, I mean, Mike White doesn't have Instagram. He does very few interviews. Not a lot is known about him. But I know you two have a unique friendship, and I believe you two went on a trip together at one point years before the White Lotus.
0: Yeah, a few years. Yeah, we went to Africa. And what was that like? It was really incredible. I thought, you know, oh my God, you know, because it was supposed to be Mike's boyfriend that was supposed to go on the trip and then that didn't work out because of some of their timing of some stuff that they had to do. So I was offered this trip that, but so it was sort of intimate, you know what I mean? It was an intimate trip where, you know, you were sleeping next to each other and stuff you know and beds that were you know pushed together and stuff and you're intense like you're (laughs) you know the bathroom everything it's all very like you know you know it's all you know all very real yeah even though it's fancy it was very fancy beautiful like you know i'm talking like real fancy you know you know but still it's intimate you know and you know, Mike didn't know me in that way and I didn't know him that way, but it ended up, you know, it could have gone either way. It could have been just a disaster and it wasn't, I think is, you know, I think the whole reason Mike invited me was because he knows how much I love animals and he loves animals. Like we are, that's really where we come together and bond on just our love of animals. So yeah, it was the, the trip of a lifetime, you know, I've never had a man love me enough to take me to Africa so a gay man took me to Africa and gave me the, the greatest gift I could ever have. And um, God love the gays. Oh my God! You know, and we had so much fun. It was so much fun. And and you know, Mike is funny. He he doesn't like large doses of people. And so I always felt like, I mean, I'm sure he was acting at times. Like you know, I'm a lot to take on a trip. But um, but he. You know, we stayed friends after that trip. I was like, oh, my God. Like, you know what I mean? Because I always find that sometimes when Mike is tired of me, you know, I just, you know, there'd be months where, you know, I go do my thing and you don't hear from Mike. I mean, he's a very private person and he loves his friends and everything, but he, um, he's a fascinating person. And you can't really say that about everybody. Mm. You know, he's fascinating. And his thoughts are fascinating and you know he's one he's probably the smartest one of the one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life and um what a treat when you get a dose of somebody where they just share their thoughts with you like you're like sometimes I'm sitting next to him going like I am so lucky to be sitting at this table hearing this idea that you know know, his his ideas and, and just like his take on people and um it's never what anyone else says that's the weird thing it's never what anyone else has to say it's a completely different thought for
1: anyone that wants a slice of that there's a fantastic interview that mike did with vulture talking about the white lotus and i think a lot of what got me so deep in with the white lotus was reading mike white talk about the show and learning about his context for his recommendation rather maybe of how to view the show, you know, through the prism of how he made it. And it completely broke the show open for me and it made it so much more enjoyable to watch. Now, have you seen Mike on Survivor?
0: The million dollar question. Yes. But you know, I can't, I'm not, I haven't been his biggest fan, you know, like I should be like, there are people that are obsessed with Survivor and, you know, They know the magic of Mike White as far as like every episode. You see, the reason why, and I hate to admit this, but the reason why I'm not obsessed with Survivor or, you know, watching Mike on Survivor actually is because I don't understand the show, really. I don't know. I just don't quite get the show. I mean, I don't understand all the different the how you huddle off with the, what, what is it, you have the- um, Tribes? The tribes, no, I get the tribes. Oh, the tribe. alliances. The alliances, okay. the, <laughs> the alliances, and like, I feel like, you know, I, I, I'm like, some of it seems so, it's almost too obvious or something, like there's something too obvious about it, but then later I'm like, oh my God, now I, I feel like stupid and I didn't understand what that last thing meant. I don't know, I just, I find that um, I'm I'm watching this game that I don't, that I don't think I could, you know what it is? i tell you why I haven't been as big a fan on Survivor. I, I'm the biggest fan of Mike White, but I'm not the biggest fan of Mike White on Survivor because I don't get the complicated game, even though my friends say it's not complicated. It just seems that I can't be good at it, so I can't, so I'm not, I'm not watching it like, oh my God, I would have done this because I'm like, now what Uh, who what and now what oh who's the? now this doesn't make any you know I can't I can't um is am I just an idiot no you're
1: not an idiot I think it's a remarkably complicated game so I don't think you're an idiot at all sometimes I um I'm frustrated by how complex the game is wishing it was more simple did you ever have any encounters with any of the cast from season 37 with Mike, because I know Mike famously has admitted to throwing these parties in which he sort of interweaves his survivor friends with his Hollywood friends.
0: Yes, you did. Yes. The survivor kids Mike called me up one day and this, Oh, this was like right before we went to Africa. Mike called me up and he said, um, can I have a party for all my survivor friends in new Orleans at your house? And, um, I was like, yeah, I mean, look, he's going to take me to Africa in two weeks. Sure, <laughs> I guess, <but> yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. And um, and then, of course, everyone shows up. Everyone is incredibly attractive from those. Shows. I mean, like they do, yeah. right? It's yeah. just everyone's beautiful. The girls are beautiful. The guys are beautiful. They were all really nice. And that was really fun. That was a very fun night. I mean, um, I mean, we all got wasted. Yeah. yeah, we all got wasted at that party. And, and, but, but it was so fun to sort of, and you know, that's another thing, Mike, these were normal people. I mean, that's what's so cool. Mike is not like, Mike is not dying to meet sort of like, you know, the, the Hollywood elite. That's not who Mike is. He's sort of, you know, these people that were on Survivor with him, you know, became some of his best friends. You know, I mean, no, he does know the Hollywood, League. what am I saying? Right. You know, he he no, knows them, no, but, but he's not, that's something he's not you, know, you don't score points with him by having a lot of money or, you know, being famous. He, right. he, he really goes for the person. Right. You mentioned your house earlier in New
1: Orleans. I know a little bit about your house um, through E. Alex Young's fabulous profile that he did of you in yeah, Vulture. Yeah, didn't
0: he do a good job? Oh, he really did. I know, it's I've, funny, knowing you
1: the way I know you now, he really captured your essence.
0: I know. Which he is really like a did. wonderful thing no he really like uh yeah I mean I because you're
1: complicated
0: <laughs> <laughs> I now know this about you but I'm glad to know it I enjoy knowing you no but I love that you know at one point he said like you know so you know I met Jen whoever in the sitting in the room and he goes and then uh, she went off to get some dra- or he said she went off to get some letterss and he goes and he goes let me tell you something it was really weird. Like he said something like, didn't he say that? Like he was yeah. like, he was like, like, let me just tell you, this is not what I expected. This was weird. I just love that it was just such an honest, you know, he was like, we- you know, the house is like, you know, it's like, you know, it's got a lot going on and it's not typical. And um, yeah, he didn't, he didn't uh, sugar it up. No.
1: What is it about New Orleans and this house? Cause I know you spent a lot of time and I imagine money Um, I was going to say renovating it, but not renovating it, restoring it rather. And so what is it about this house that you love?
0: Well, just it really, um, you know, I looked at a lot of homes in New Orleans because I, I became obsessed with it. My sister lives down there, Susanna. My sister, you know, Susanna went to Tulane, and so she invited me down to come visit. And of course, I became obsessed with New Orleans after, you know, I don't know if I would have gone down there I mean, I love music and I love eating and all that stuff, but I don't know if I would have ended up there except to visit my sister. And then I became obsessed with that town. And then, yeah, ended up buying um, buying this very cool house. And um, what I liked was it hadn't been messed with, it hadn't really been messed with very much. I mean, hardly at all. And, you know, a lot of people buy these beautiful old homes down there. And then, you know, the interior is... Uh, You know looks like a modern hotel you know like a very very modern you know the insides have just been you know pulled out and it looks like you know any place in you know any house in los angeles
1: and you really like the authenticity of um keeping things the way they were
0: yeah and uh, yeah i'm obsessed with the old you know that's been my thing i think it's because i had a grandmother who had really cool stuff in her house and you know it was all family heirlooms and i mean nothing in her house was modern and to me i remember being exposed to that and thinking this is the coolest way to live is to live in the past i don't know just sort of you know live you know because i I I feel like we can't top some of the architecture and you know how you know houses had you know uh this amazing architect, Henry Howard, who did all the, you know, the very, some of the, you know, the biggest homes in New Orleans, and they're all uh, just design that you just can't, you know, you can't even explain how, just sheer talent of how, like, you know, balance and when, you know, window here. And then if somebody's even put like fake windows just so it would balance. I don't know. It just, in the way he put the house on the lot where it was sort of on a corner. And, and so it made the yard twice. as big. I mean, just, just sort of, you know, just real genius, a real genius. And um, tragically, you know, he he had a very tragic, you know, died a pauper, unfortunately. And even though he sort of created all these great homes in New Orleans and outside of New Orleans, but, but, and that's very sad to me because he was, he's like Van Gogh, you know, just truly the Van Gogh of, of, of architects, but, but you get someone like that designing, you know, creating a house like that. And you're like, it can't be topped. And so you don't ever worry like, Oh, I need to do a new house. That's even grand or whatever. Cause I'm like, I, I don't ever feel like this house could be topped as far as architecturally. You know, the house has uh it's a very romantic house where it's just, you know, the style of sort of Italian eight, And it had, uh, it had, it has this just romantic feeling. The minute you walk in, it's very romantic. I mean, it does, uh, you know, it does have a presence. But it, you know, you do feel something when you walk in there. And I'm not saying anything creepy. You just, it has a presence, like you're entering a human being. And I think that's true because I didn't, I didn't rip the entire. Like somehow, whatever was in there is still in there somehow. And I feel like when you suck all the insides out like a lot of people come in they just come in to take down everything you do somehow that goes with it you know and something is still around but yeah it's very exciting because it's very romantic it's a very sort of the high ceilings the the beautifully large windows that the way um he could light a room with just the windows um everything had intelligence behind it every window every sort of every aspect of the house you could tell was the amount of thought that went into it. And um, I don't know, there's something something like it never gets old in there. I don't ever lie in my bed in that house and go like, yeah, I should have picked that other house or ever. Like, it's just, I feel like it can't be topped. And, you know, I get little notes in my mailbox people that want to buy it all the time because, uh, you know, it is kind of special. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's the grandest house in New Orleans or anything like this, but it has this very cool thing about it and um but i can't imagine living anywhere else
1: you mentioned the presence which I, I know it's not necessarily a haunted presence but i do remember you telling me at one point a story of someone came over a contractor or something and they refused to enter the house
0: yeah very very southern gentleman uh yeah a uh, bunch of guys came i was having a a big party and at this point in my life the, when i had a party and I wanted pianists. pianist. The piano had to be delivered. Now I have like four pianos in the house, but I really do. I have like four and my father, my, my everyone in my family played the piano. So I inherited pianos from my uh, parents and stuff, but the piano was being delivered. And so the guys brought it into the house and it was probably the hottest day of the year. And I don't know why I was on the front porch, but they all put the piano inside. And then this very heavy set guy came outside and uh, he was covered in sweat. And um, I said, Oh my God, you know, I have lemonade in there for everybody, you know, help yourself, you know? And he said, I'm not going back in there. And um, I said, what, you're not, what do you mean? And he, yeah. I'm not going back in there ever again. And um, he, felt like there was something very scary in there. And he felt like, you know, he just felt like, you know, there was this this spirit, whatever. I've never experienced it. I've been in that house a million times. I've never experienced anything creepy, like frightening. I've never seen it. You know, I've heard people, you know, with these terrible made up stories where they're like, I saw a a little girl with a ball bouncing down, you know, she had a ball and it was bouncing down the stairs. And I'm like, yeah, I saw that movie too, you know? Like, I don't know was the change thing or something. But you know, when people like recreate movie moments and you're like, you know what? You got that mixed up with the movie you saw because I've seen those moments in those movies. Right, well
1: sometimes I feel like our imagination spills over into real life and something didn't happen but we think it happened. Or sometimes we pretend something didn't happen that did happen because we want to believe it was our imagination. I think sometimes with like negative experiences, I'll find myself saying, I had to have dreamed that up because reality couldn't be this bad. And it often is.
0: Right, right. I do have one creepy story. Oh, I love. Some photos were dropped off at the house. They were um, relations to the family that actually lived there. Actually, they were actually actual descendants that, from people that, li- that people that family had. There was one family that lived in the house for like 90 years. And um, so that family brought by some photos that, for, that were very cool from the house and when it was purchased and, and, and you know, they were from like, I don't know. 18, 1880 or something. But in, in the box of photos, oh oh yeah, there was, uh, all these like little, these little things that said, uh, granny's first birthday. In other words, the, the granny like is, was now, you know, 90, but you know, but it was like all these people that lived in the house, it was like a little baby in a carriage and it was in, in the sort of Victorian bonnet and everything. And so anyway, so we had these workers at the house and they were all, uh, they all said that there were these, that they were creeped out and they didn't want to do work on the third floor because they said there was like a woman in a brown dress that they saw, whatever. And, you know, we sort of thought they were making it up. Everyone that was at the house that was sort of friends with me thought, what a bunch of crap. But anyway, to make a long story short, the third floor bothered them. And then, of course there was this box that was left off with all the photos and each thing's just said, you know, May day, you know, you know, 1895, whatever, you know, or 1910, um, Camilla's birthday or whatever. And then there was a photo of a woman in a brown dress. And, um, you know, it's sort of that Sienna color of an old photo. I didn't even know it was a, but it was sort of the woman that was sort of described by the workers, whatever. But, when you flip the thing over to see what little phrase was on the back of it, it just said third floor. I thought that was kind of weird, but that's the only creepy story I got. That's creepy. There's <laughs> no, I don't have any like old sea captain playing the piano, you know, In mm. the, I don't have anything like that.
1: Before we continue, let's take a quick break and hear from some of our sponsors. Can we talk about Sunday Riley? Not only is it the name of not one, but two of my favorite Buffy the Vampire Slayer characters, it also just so happens to be one of my favorite skincare brands. Sunday Riley uses advanced clinically proven ingredients blended with balancing botanicals for non-irritating, fast-acting formulas. Just because the end of times might be near doesn't mean you can't have great skin. Some of my current obsessions include their global best-selling Good Genes All-in-One Lactic Acid Treatment, CEO 15% Vitamin C Brightening Serum, and their Autocorrect Brightening and Depuffing Eye Contour Cream. As a person with notoriously puffy eyes, the last one is a really saving grace. If you want to visibly improve the look and feel of your skin, look no further than Sunday Riley. Sunday Riley is available at Sephora and Sephora.com. And we are back. Okay, a couple other questions I want to ask. First of all, are you watching And Just Like That?
0: I haven't watched it, but it's not, you know what? It's not that I have I don't have any interest in watching And Just Like That. It's just um I as glamorous as this apartment is. The television doesn't work. So I haven't seen any television.
1: Wow. First of all, well I bring up And Just Like That because I mean, you famously appeared on season six of the original *Sex and the City*. Yeah, what was that experience like
0: for you? It was incredible because it was the—I mean, for many reasons. But you know, the, the, the show is—you know, like literally, met the just reached this pinnacle of just like you know, everyone in New York City was watching the show. So if you had anything to do with it, you were cool too, and it was very exciting. I mean. I, I couldn't recover from the 18-hour day we put in. I thought that was just wow. I was like, and then I was asked the girls, and like they were like, yeah, this is every day. I mean, they were working their butts off. Yeah, it was very exciting, and and you know, everyone was nice, and you know, Cynthia had been so nice to me because you know I was on this Broadway show with her, and we came together during a very dark time. It was you know I think it was the first or the second day of our job it was 9/11. Hit and wow. you know, and I had just flown in, and you know, and then this horrible thing happened, and a lot of the shows got canceled, and you know, it was a very dark time, and uh, I just remember all the photos on inside the Starbucks, you know, all the. It just was t- just uh, such a sad time. But oh yeah, and this is sort of interesting. That you know, you know, it's, this is this is a very funny story, um, just to get off the depressing stuff. But um, so yeah, it was like I forget if it was the first day or the second day. That was 9-11 of the job. But all I remember is when I showed up for the job, we came into the rehearsal hall and, okay, this is a good story. Okay. Is the episode that you appear, are you in Splat? Is it the same episode? No, but I was told, Michael Patrick King told me that I was going to be Fall Out of Window. You were going to be Lexi. He told me that. (laughs) So then it ended up, I, I didn't get that part, but he told me, he goes, you're going to fall out a window. Like Michael Patrick King told me that. And then I got the purse party girl. But so I don't know. And I don't know if I should be saying, but he did oh, tell me. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess he did. He did tell me that. Like, And that's the part Lexi that eventually went to Kristen Johnston. This is what is such an interesting story though, because, so I show up, it was, you know, 9-11 is, it's the day of 9-11 and I show up to the, uh, studio in Times Square, and um, everyone is leaving the studio at the time. And you know, Kristen says, uh, "Yeah, yeah, we're not, uh, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're, not, we're going. We're all being sent home." And um, I said, "Oh, okay." So I decide to walk with Kristen back to my house because we had uh, apartments near each other. And um, we're walking down the street, and you have to realize. Like the planes had just hit, like it was, and they were on the screen in Times Square, you know, that, that, that whole thing was on the screen. And I just, it was just so frightening. And I remember, you know, the only reason I knew something really bad was going on was because the guy driving me, the taxi I was taking, I heard, had the radio on and there's this woman saying, oh my God, I'm looking out the window and I'm watching the, the, the you know, the buildings, you know, the building fall." Um, and she goes, Oh my God. And she's sobbing and everything. And I'm like, Oh my God. And it was so weird because the guy wasn't listening to the radio. And I said, Oh my God. You know, I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. I guess I started crying. And the guy was just like, what, he, what can I help you miss? Uh, you know, it was like, he was like, can I help you? Why do you cry? You know what? I just remember like, he was just not listening to his, wasn't listening to the radio. He wasn't listening. He was just, he, I don't know what he was doing, but. I got out, yeah, and then went up and upstairs and Kristen Johnson meets me, uh, you know, she's coming, she's exiting the building and she's like, yeah, we're, we're mm-hmm. all going home, we're being sent home and so, you know, our apartments were near each other so I walked home with her but I'll never forget, we like, literally the place had just hit, we're walking down the street and Kristen says to me, I go, oh my God, this is just so frightening and people are running, it's sort of like King Kong, like, you know, the people are running from, King Kong has arrived, like everyone's running, it's just mayhem. And Christian's just sort of, you know, walking along in this very cool demeanor or whatever like this. And I was like, oh my God, I don't, I don't understand. I don't make her she, and, and Christian Johnson just says, it was bin Laden, you know, bin Laden did this. Like, you know, she has that low voice. Yeah, it was bin Laden. You know, he's been doing, he's been wanting to do this for a long time. But my, everything Christian said in that moment, I wish I could just remember every word she said, but. It was so weird that she just, that, those, she was saying that before anybody.
1: This makes me think of Rosie O'Donnell on The View. There are clips of Rosie O'Donnell you can go back and watch now from pre-9-11, and just there's so much about the world as it came to be that Rosie O'Donnell predicted. And this, you saying this reminds me of those clips of The View I watch, and people used to think she was crazy and overly political, um, but she was just spouting the truth as she saw it, and yeah. I think people caught up with it later.
0: Yeah, wait, I'll give you one other great example. Please. So, uh um i was dating this this guy and um <laughs> i was dating this guy and we were, we were doing the play and uh when uh i we were in rehearsals we were in the rehearsals of of the women and and, and um <laughs> so she came up to me she came up to me and she's like uh <laughs> My, you know, my my boyfriend was visiting and she goes, "Hey, uh, is that your boyfriend?" And I'm um, I'm like, "Yeah. Yeah, it is." Whatever. And she goes, "I got to tell you something, Jennifer. You should break up with him cuz that guy's really freaking creepy." And it's just so funny because um she just had such insight on that too. Was he freaking creepy? Yeah. But you know what I mean like it's just it's just like she just met him for like five minutes. You know what I mean, like. She's a vibe person. She I don't know what she is, but she, yeah, I don't know. She's just like she's watching. You know, I mean, she's she's paying attention. I remember Kristen
1: was uh, a professor at NYU while I was there, and I remember it was like my freshman year. Really? Is that yes. true? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: She was your teacher. Yes. Yes.
1: And I remember being so intimidated because I was 18 years old. I had just moved to New York and I was like, Oh my God, famous people are going to be my teachers and i'll never forget it was at 721 broadway and she was giving some talk to all of the incoming freshmen and i was just so enamored because i loved third rock from the sun and i just was like and also splat i mean this was years later but i loved lexi featherstein from sex in the city and she was standing there before me and she was going to be my educator um and we've gone on all these years later. To I mean, I would call her a friend now, and that's it's a wonderful thing how these relationships change. But I love this insight and and what you're saying about her her mind. She knew she knows things. She's an intuitive person. Whether it be Bin Laden or your creepy boyfriend.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, she just yeah.
1: Okay, so I wanna I wanna get one more question in um, from a fellow White Lotus cast member of yours. As you know, I sort of uh, treat White Lotus cast members as Pokemon, and I'm trying to sort of catch them all. And I've got you, Murray, Lucas, Molly, recently Sydney, and this is another White Lotus cast member that I have chased down, and uh, she has a question for you. This is the great Brittany O'Grady.
0: Hi, Jennifer. It's Brittany. I have a question for you. If you were to suggest a French wine for me to drink the rest of my life. Which one would it be? Oh, that's such an easy question to answer. I love the French red burgundies. And, you know, they're it's harder and harder to get them. They're really great. You know, it's it's a very competitive world for this very small region where you can get these incredible Bottles of Burgundy, and because people have caught on to how great they are. But that is by far. Brittany, it's the French Red Burgundies. I will go any to any wine store with you and help pick one out. Um, but those are my favorite by far.
1: Love it. Okay, just a few last questions. I do want to ask about Legally Blonde, but I feel like you have been asked every fucking question about Legally Blonde. Is there any question... Or experience or memory or whatnot about legally blonde that remains in the vault something that has not come to you yet that you've been like hey there's this one experience from x day of filming or some question you haven't been asked i don't want to be that repetitive person who asks you the same dumb question Uh... the answer could be you've told every single thing there is to say about legally blonde
0: I do know that, like, I did an audition for Legally Blonde. I don't know. I think they were deciding on me. And I did hear through the grapevine that, like, I, thought, I heard Courtney Love was up for the part. I heard Kathy Najimi was up for it. Um, there had been offers out to them, I was told. And um, I thought maybe my, my ability to get it was probably pretty slim. But um, I was told someone knew about this scene i did uh at the groundings where it was a girl who was uh had gone on a date with a guy and it because it actually happened to me it happened the reverse where this i went out on a date with this guy and then he started calling me on the phone and then his insecurities started to increase each message he would like try to try to fix the message before you know like like you would you know i mean he just kept trying to he's you know he slowly unraveled in each message because you know i wasn't calling him back so anyway so i did it where i played him you know except i was the insecure girl calling the guy and i guess that tape was played during at my audition or whatever so it was just sort of interesting that i don't know if that helped me get paulette or whatever because paulette was sort of a very shy insecure girl i don't know how that worked to my favor but Somehow it did. It's not that interesting a story.
1: Can I ask about Legally Blonde 3? I mean, I think many people are wanting to know more information. We got confirmation that Mindy Kaling, the great Mindy Kaling, is working on a script. But I feel like this is just one of those projects that keeps getting discussed and sort of the ball keeps getting kicked down the field. Is there any update on Legally Blonde 3?
0: Well, you have to ask Reese because, you know, Reese owns Hollywood right now and I mean, I know I saw in the paper that she's, you know, sold a her company for a, almost a billion dollars. So I like if you think that I would know anything more than Reese Witherspoon. I mean, you know, she is like, look, she deserves all all the cool stuff that's happening to her because you know when I met her and she was twenty something, um, she was like Zen, Zendaya, like just you know, she was already someone who had the world by the balls you know she was one of those people that she was calling all the shots um she was just one of those girls that just confidence and knowing what was going on at all times and smarts you know she was really smart and savvy and had it going on and like look with the career she's had but i feel like i'm just like a mouse you know compared to her and so I, I when people ask me I'm just like I just want to defer and go please ask Reese because I I have no idea
1: okay I'll dm I'll dm her I would
0: love now. to know because you know what I, I hope I'm in
1: it I would love to be in it I think the the world is clamoring to have you in it speaking of sequels to projects of yours what can you tell us about season two of the white lotus we learned a few months back that you were going to be returning and so far we've gotten word that aubrey plaza and michael imperioli have joined the cast
0: yeah amazing Those i love those two
1: what do we have in store what can you tell i love us? them both oh, and they're yeah casting. i know
0: yeah that's that's uh those are the only two names i've been told so far but um have you read the scripts and i've not seen them
1: Do you have any insight into what's in store for Tanya?
0: I don't know, but um, a cast member told me uh, that it's really good. A cast member said they've read it, and they said the next one is really good. And I was, you know, and it's someone who's very sort of discerning. And I mean, how could it not be? I'm not saying like you know, Mike Mike is going to you know write some big pile of crap, but but he, you know this friend said it's it's excellent so i'm excited i'm excited i'm i'm dying to read it i haven't i'm not isn't it weird that i'm like you know, in the last to get the script well this happened with you and i when
1: i congratulated you about returning for season 2 and your response to me was wondering how i found out about that and then i sent you the headline and apparently i found out about the announcement that you were going to be in season two. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't have. even
0: official. And to be honest, like I, I was thinking, oh, well, they don't want to make it official because I'm like, maybe they're debating, who knows? Like, I heard they were, you know, I heard I was in it and then I'm like, and then you don't hear anything and you're like, maybe they're like, you know what? This was a bad idea. We're going to go with someone else or I don't know. Like it, it, this, our business is scary. Our business is scary. You know what I mean, like one, you know, one day you've, you know, you feel like you're on top of the world and the next day, you know, you've been shoved off. You know,
1: so one of the many great things that came out of this experience on The White Lotus is that you got your very first Golden Globe nomination, you got a Critics Choice nomination, and you got a SAG nomination, which is incredible. I'm wondering, do you have your speeches prepared?
0: No, you know, I really I do believe that you shouldn't I think that is there's something about writing a speech, planning it, anything like this that I think completely knocks you out of the running i don't know why you know i've always thought that so i'm i'm not working on any speech and you know to be honest i yeah i think this is why you don't write one because two because like being nominated is you know people always go oh well nominated it's is good you know it's so like that's not really true that people want to win but the thing is no the nomination is such a cool thing and i feel like if there's any bit of expectation there you sort of rain on your own parade I just don't want to expect, I don't want to have like, I don't, I don't want, you know what I mean? I don't want to have, I don't want to, if I expect it or I'm hoping too much for whatever, it will never happen. And to be honest, it doesn't have to happen. It doesn't have to, I'm just thrilled that, you know what I mean? Like when you think of like people that I friggin love to death and I admire their work and I watch it and I, when I see them, I'm intimidated when they walk into a room and then you find out like, you know, they're going to be there that night and some of them are up against you and, like what a do you think in a million years i thought that this ever was a possibility i mean i might have thought this was possible when i was like 12 but now reality has crept into my life on so many on so many different instances where it's just like to think big to think this big and think this moment in time could have happened with mike white writing this part and then this that like these getting nominated, you know, getting nominations for these things. I mean, it just, I never would have believed you. Never. It just, just, it just wasn't in my, I just, I didn't, you know, I mean, I, I, I had big high hopes in my, for my life early on, but I think, you know, Hollywood can rain on them so many times that you just sort of become sort of like a, you know, you can't get a hard on anymore. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, you just, you're afraid to. You're just like you know what I mean. So you just don't do it, and then, and then this exciting year, exciting year happens. So I'm, I, I don't know. I no, I, I'm not not writing a speech.
1: So do you see more hard ons in your future? Like now that you've had this hard on, and now that you've seen the impact, does has this changed your your perspective and and sort of the possibilities of what this next phase of your career could have?
0: Yeah, I think I think once you get. To, uh, if you once you get like a victory like this like yeah I think um i'm much more upbeat about the future and I feel like I just feel like the last 20 years were sort of uh a rut I feel like I was in sort of a rut professionally or personally I think both I think I was in a in a in a rut for the last 20 years and I feel like this whole thing is just I don't know. It's not that it's not like fame or anything. It's just I don't know. Someone took a giant risk. Uh, t- someone took a, a giant risk on this. This could have gone so bad for Mike, and I don't know somehow that has sort of changed my view of things on so many level. And 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 the gratitude, the gratitude. It's sort of like it's almost like the most amazing man in the world this proposed to me or something you know or it's like someone gave me 500 million dollars and said you know go spend it the way you want to or I mean it's that cool it's just something that's just forever you know going to change my life and even if nothing happens after this this is like you know to just know that you can have A moment like this, it sort of makes you feel better about the world.
1: I feel like you deserve this moment. And I'm just wondering if you feel that too. With everything, you know, as we're talking about earlier, you were put through some shit in this Hollywood system that perhaps we can say used to exist or perhaps pervades even today. But you were put through some shit. Can you recognize that, like, this moment that you're having is deserved?
0: Uh... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You know what? Uh, There's so many women with like incredible bodies of work that I believe, you know what? Comparatively maybe not deserved in the way that like, you know, with a body of work, some people have these bodies of work where you're just like, oh my God, you know, but, um, karmically, like, I don't know if I deserve it, but I'm really
1: glad. (laughs) I like want to force you to say something nice about yourself. So,
0: You know, like the woman, like even Kate Winslet said in one speech one time, she was like, you know, this woman said to her, you know, you're only going to play the fat girl part. Remember, she said that in one Mm -hmm. of her speeches, like, you're only going to play the fat girl part, whatever. But um, because if you're a sensitive person and you're sort of like a giant sponge, a lot of people can pick up on that and they, the power of ruining your day is just too tempting. And there were just so many days where, and I was one of those people, like if someone, I'm too sensitive anyway, and if someone said that hideous thing, you know, I could be in bed for a week just trying to recover from that. You know what I mean? Everything hurt my, you know, everything just crushes you, you know? So it's pretty cool because some people, you know, there were some mean people out there. Everyone has mean people in their lives, but you know, there are a couple people where, you know, you do, you're, you're sort of thrilled that they, you know, they don't get to be the last person that, you know, has the final say or whatever. But um, but as far as deserving, there's always someone in the world that deserves more than you. There's always like someone who suffered more and everything. So I don't know if I deserve it. I just, I really like it though. Yeah. You know, I really yeah. like that it happened. I don't know if I really deserve it. Okay, fair. But I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I am
1: like that. Um, okay, I want to end uh, by bringing up uh, a, a former persona of yours or someone that lives inside of you i'm not sure but i want to hear more about muffin hemingway oh well is she still around or is she a figment of the past or is she a figment at all
0: well i mean i do give myself a lot of credit because it was uh she was the hemingway girl that no one that not a lot of people knew especially in the nightclub thing i mean i don't know maybe
1: so but, but for people that don't know it's like who is muffin hemingway
0: muffin hemingway was I never met her. I don't know if I even saw a photo of her. I just knew that there was Mario and Margot, Margot, the you know, the supermodel, one of the prettiest girls that ever lived. You know, what a beautiful woman. And Mario, brilliant actress, also a very beautiful woman, you know, great actress. And then there was Muffin. Muffin Hemingway. And I don't know um, if she was like a journalist, a writer, some sort of, But all I know that it was not a lot of people knew who Muffin was. So I had blonde hair with jet black eyebrows and they were real. I didn't dye them like for some reason in my 20s. I had jet black eyebrows that were real. I had very blonde streaky hair and I looked like I could have been a Hemingway. Like, you know, not as pretty as the other girls, but but I could look like one of the sisters. And so when I wanted to get into nightclubs, I just went up to the front of the line and I just said, you know, I'm Muffin Hemingway. And it got me in a lot of the time.
1: And you would bring the gays with you, right? You'd yes. give them in too. Yeah. And when did you realize the currency of being the girl that's able to help the gays jump the line? Because that is a, a big, powerful role. It is. It
0: is a powerful role. I mean, you know, later in life you realize that like i thought it was because i was so clever you know you're like a you weigh you know i I was doing a lot of you know cocaine at the time so i weighed like 110 so you're i'm really you know skinny you got your little skimpy little black dress somehow you like look like you should be in the club so they you know i mean like and i thought i was being so clever whatever but um it was everything like literally if you said to me would you like a million dollars or would you like to get into this nightclub tonight? I would be, I'm definitely going in for the club. I'm, I'm going to pass on the million bucks. I can't wait. I hear they have a new DJ and (laughs) I lived for the nightlife and you know, it was very exciting. You know, it was eighties, eighties, eighties nightlife uh, in New York city and all the, you know, the, the dark, the dark side too. You know, it, it was just, it was fascinating and it was, ex- you know, it was just so, it was so ex- such an exciting time to be alive. You know, I'm amazed a lot of us are still alive because mm-hmm. it was, you know, terrible, um, you know, terrible stuff, you know, doing, you know, way too many drugs that you can, more than you could handle. And Do you ever miss it? Not, not the drugs, but do you ever
1: miss the high? And not specifically from the drugs necessarily, but, like, the high of, like, of nightlife in the
0: 80s. Yeah, it was, there was, like, I can't explain it. You know, it must be what, like, I mean, look, I went to the Rolling Stones recently and they gave uh, an incredible performance. I saw them in New Orleans a couple year a year ago or two, two years ago. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're so great. But. It must be like when you're in a band, when it's when you're in a band where you're at the height of your career where there's just like, you know, it's like it's just thinking when the Beatles hit, like that's what it's like. I mean you're just like you're it's like you're in the most famous band, except you're not anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you think you are, you're in your little black dress and lots of guys think you're cute and you're dancing your ass off and it's exciting. And like people are buying you drinks and it means nothing of course, but I don't know when you're from a little town and like, you know, you felt like nothing was going to happen. See, I think if you gave me a choice, like you said, would you like to be this moment or like back then, you know what I mean? I think of like, back then if you said to me what would you rather be an actress or like you know having the greatest night at palladium that you could ever have like i think i don't know it was it was just it was i can't even convey the excitement what that was and i I just i don't know for yeah young girl that sort of thought like you know life was gonna maybe possibly be dull and then and then have these you know this sort of being at the you know i don't know he's like being at the pulse of something i don't know
1: which is interesting it's a nice book end to our conversation because i feel like that pulse of the 80s that we're speaking about i feel like that is a pulse that is running through your career at this present moment with all of these exciting projects in the work um before we wrap is there anything that i did not cover that you are keen to talk about how you feeling? Good. I feel good. Okay. I want to wrap. I want to thank you so much for your time um, and for agreeing to do this. Um, do you feel good about it?
0: <laughs> you know, everything I do, um, everything I do, I have regrets. But, um, but right now, um, I'm thrilled. What do you make of our
1: funny relationship that you and I have formed. It's been very rewarding for me um, to have this strange bond that, that we share.
0: Well, I like that um, you, sort, you remind me of someone from another time. Your, your manners are, you're so respectful and um, you're so uh, positive. Um, you know, all my interactions with you are so positive. So I, 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 that's why I wanted to do this with you. You know, um, you know, I worry so much, um, about so many things. And so I don't want another thing to worry about. And I don't worry when you're around. Um, I'm, I want to tell you all my secrets. Oh, good. Good. Well, we'll have to have you back for more.
1: Um, I just want to say, I feel this, I was telling this to my boyfriend earlier. I have this weird, sense that like we were meant to be in each other's lives I could be putting this all on you this could be completely in my head I'm just expressing how I feel and I have this weird desire to like protect you and so and and make you feel good I it's something about your presence I just I like being around you and I like being able to let you know that the world that I'm in sees you with such enthusiasm, I, I want to sort of be in some way. Um, I, I don't know if it's a mirror or what the word is, but I want to help convey to you how much my world, the world I live in, sees you with such regard.
0: Well, that's so nice. I am, I, um, that's like the, one of the nicest things anyone's ever said. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for your
1: time. I've really, uh, like I said, I've really enjoyed this time with you. Our first time sitting together one on one for an interview, and uh, I look forward to having you back. Maybe, maybe you'll come back at some point, and we'll get into all those deep dark secrets. I
0: feel like I'm. I saw. I feel like I saw a movie where it's like this young guy that um, had a fascination with um, a woman older than him, and I realized like. You're that actor in Sophie's Choice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He, he yes. Re- oh wow.
1: Where's this going?
0: <laughs> Memory had such a regard for her and and such a respect for actually he 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 loved them both. Mm-hmm. I, I forget that actor's name. Um, I do
1: too, but yes, I know who you're talking about.
0: Um, but I feel like that's like you know like just. Um, someone who like is observing a, a messed up person but loves them just the same
1: yeah but I would add we're all messed up it's just you're in a position in which people ask you to open up about that and unlock it in a way that people like me can just hold it all inside and no one has to know so I give more credit to someone like you for being vulnerable because you express vulnerabilities in ways that I don't have to <laughs>
0: right. okay I'll do it all for you. Wonderful. You shut up, Evan. You shut up, Evan. Shut up, Evan. Come on, shut up. Shut up, Evan. Shut up, Evan. (laughs) Can we get
1: one as Tanya?
0: Oh. Oh, shut up, Evan. Great. Well, how do most people do shut up, Evan?
1: Shut Up Evan is hosted by me, Evan Ross Katz, and produced by Ryan Killian Kraus with distribution via Acast. Special shout out to Alden Peters, Matt Storm, Sean Ross, Hank Kelly, and the myriad others who have contributed their talents past or present. For more Shut Up Evan, binge seasons 1 and 2 and become a subscriber on Patreon for bonus episodes, never before seen clips, and more.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.